Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slam Ajama, now owned by Let's Reach Cougs. On this episode, we'll talk Fallout. How does the Houston Cougars football team respond? Um, in particular, the defense respond from that debacle that happened in Dallas uh, following the 77 to 63 loss to SMU. Once again, that's a football team. That's not either of the basketball teams that lost 77 to 63 in Dallas. We'll continue. Uh, Second of four segments focusing on name, image, and likeness, particularly particularly spotlighting H-O-U-N-I-L. And in this episode, we'll be focusing on what it's like to be working with the athletes. And then we'll close it out uh, by focusing on basketball fallout, both from the men's and women's uh, basketball teams, both of whom opened their season this past Monday, November 7th. Don't go anywhere you're listening or watching to Potsdam Channel. Yeah, high standards, high goals, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguardable, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. Where you can care less what other people are saying. So let me get myself off of the screen and hopefully my voice doesn't attack me in the middle. Oh, oh God. Hopefully it doesn't attack me in the middle of the show. But Dan, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. How you feeling, man? How how, how are your vocals? I'm feeling better. My vocals are still betraying me every now and then. So hopefully it doesn't. It can stick through for the next 40 uh, to 50 minutes. But anyways, obviously jumping right into it. Houston Cougars football they had a debacle last season or last season last game last Saturday in particular on the defensive side of the ball where they couldn't um, I think the phrase that you used during uh, the Lethbridge Cougs this past Sunday or Saturday was they couldn't stop a nosebleed and that was absolutely uh, the case they allowed SMU to set records um, at this point we've talked about it at nauseum when it comes to 77 points which is a school record Tanner Mordecai who's a quarterback for SMU through nine different uh, touchdown passes he also had one rushing in the air so he counted for 10 total touchdowns and it was just really a, a, a bad performance overall for the defense they couldn't stop anything and in, in particular they were letting SMU to drive march down the field on so many fast drives I think the longest drive of the game for either team was four minutes so uh, there was not a lot of defense being played at all in Dallas but uh, getting right into it here's what defensive coordinator Doug Belk had to say on that performance and how they bounced back <laughs> We gotta just state the obvious. I mean, we we got whooped from start to finish. Um, you know, they, you know, it's my responsibility to get those guys going. I mean, you'll never hear me get on here and blame our kids for what they didn't didn't do, did or didn't do. Um, you know, we gotta do a better job of coaching them. And you know, those guys, you gotta give them credit. You know, some of the one on one matchups that they were able to win um, was a difference with with a lot of explosive plays um, and a lot of big plays in the game. And we didn't execute well enough or didn't play well enough to to contain them. And, you know, I thought, you know, Shannon and, uh, you know, offensive staff did a great job with a great game plan to him, played his heart out along with a lot of other people. Um, and so we didn't have a lack of effort or a lack of physicality. Um, we had a lack of execution in some areas and some things schematically that we got to get cleaned up uh, to be able to move forward. But, you know, our, our players, you know, they really took it upon themselves before I even saw them and, um, you know, defensively of things that they thought that, you know, was the difference in the game. And, and we had some of those conversations, um, you know, as a unit and individually with their position coaches. So um, all of those things have kind of been addressed and some things that we knew, need to do to get better. 
Um, and it's really no secret. And, and if you watch the game, um, there's a lot of things that, that we could do better. And so moving forward, we had a good practice today. We've kind of moved on to Temple um, with the expectation of that we got to get better. And that's really not who we've been. And that's not the brand of defense that we want to put on the field. And we have to play better for, you know, as a unit and, uh, you know, to give our give ourselves a chance to win as a team. Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot. And we don't look like we looked last year in a lot of situations from a schematic standpoint. Uh, or a personnel standpoint, but you know we got a game to play, and we gotta we gotta put a product on the field that you know our staff and our 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 uh, our players that we're putting out there are comfortable with and have confidence in executing. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. And you know I, I've never made an excuse about who's out there. I never blame kids for uh, or our players for mistakes that they make because at the end of the day, that's what I was hired to do, and that's what I'm going to continue to do is put the best people out there and try to give us the best chance to win. And, you know, when you look at the SMU game, SMU didn't sneak up on us, right? Obviously, we didn't see what, what happened coming, but, you know, they had the number one offense in our league. And, you know, they're the top receiver in the country as far as yards and catches, and their quarterback is elite. And we knew those things, and they made a lot of plays that we didn't make, and there's really no excuse for that. And it's the bottom line is that we got to get better and find a way to put these guys in positions and make plays. And, uh, whether they're a freshman, whether they're a senior, whether they start a lot of games, doesn't really matter. And it's the next man up and, uh, you know, the next opportunity for us. And the analogy that I use with with our with our uh, with our unit is, you know, we got a group of fighters and you look at the 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 uh, the games that we played this year, a lot of overtime, a lot of nail biters and wins and then losses. And so our kids are, you know, very resilient, as coach always says, probably more resilient. Uh, than I am and that we are as a staff and they're, they're chomping at the bit to get back out there and play. Uh, and, and we've talked about the, the group that's, that, that we have that, that fights. And, you know, I told them, you know, we got knocked down uh, and we fell hard last week, but we didn't get knocked out and we got opportunity to fight again this weekend. So uh, that's our approach and that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to handle it. And uh, we're going to challenge them, you know, look in the mirror, see who, see who is going to respond. And it starts with me. And, you know, I have to be able to accept that, and our coaches do as well. So we got to continue to work and put our players in position to be successful. So once again, that was Houston uh, Cruz for football defensive coordinator Doug Belk. A couple of things stood out uh, to me about that presser, and I think in particular, and there's going to be, you know, people are going to hear that, and they're either going to jump on one side of the fence. But I like his response when it came to, you know, dressing up, up the first thing he said, you know, there's no way other way to, to dress it up. They got whooped uh, against SMU. And I really like the point where he, he took responsibility. He said at the end of the day, he's never going to throw any player under the bus. It's his responsibility, his job uh, to have his a student athlete, his defense prepared, um, regardless of who it is, because I know something that's been, been said the last few weeks in terms of injuries, um, a lot of uh, players having to to step up and, and maybe they don't have that experience necessary having to step in and and you know learn by experience learn by trial for lack of a better phrase uh, but Doug Belk was upfront about it he said you know they knew what SMU the challenge they were going to possess and obviously they didn't expect the 77 points that that Mustangs put up on them but I think that's what you want to hear from from an outside perspective when it comes to the defensive coordinator what say you Man, I love that quote. That's what a leader sounds like. That's exactly when I'm listening to that. That's what a leader sounds like of, of men. Like, no, okay, first things first, let's address the elephant in the room. We played bad. We got our butts whooped. Let's not hide from it. Let's accept it. Let's hold ourselves accountable and let's look for solutions. And no excuses in that. That's 
holding himself accountable, no throwing no players under the bus, not saying anything about talent. That's what a leader sounds like, in my opinion. And I love everything he said about that. And no excuses, although, I mean, you can see uh, the talent is different comparing it to last year, but that's still mm-hmm. not an excuse. He didn't hold it to excuse. But what I've seen and, and well, what I think is an experience is playing a part in how he can call games defensively because of some players don't have that type of experience. And so he he's limited on how he can call games versus you compare it to last year where he may can bring more pressure. He may can play more man coverage because he, cause he had NFL guys out there. But so that's, that's um, last year, but this year, man, I, I love what I heard. He, um, SMU didn't sneak up on him. Like they said, we knew they had the number one offense in the conference coming in with the best receiver and all us. They just didn't play well. And he held himself accountable, said, um, I just didn't coach well in the sense of getting his guys prepared and having them play to the to the level in which they hold themselves in their standards. So I love every single thing that he said about that. Turn the page on that and, and let's get better. And I, one thing I love, I said that he said that the players came up and approached him. Um, and, and that's what I like as well, because that tells me that 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 they um they honor him and they, they want to put good. Um, representation of how good of a coach he is out on the field. You know what I'm saying? So that 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 translates mm-hmm. to to um, loving your coach and, and playing for your coach and just having pride and knowing that you didn't play well. But um, so I, I love everything that I heard right there from um, Doug Bell. Absolutely, and from the head coach perspective, Dana Hogerson, um, he said that the key from that performance is just moving forward. He said, well, in particular, he gave a lot of uh, praise to uh, Mordecai in the performance. He said, he said, uh, that's the single greatest quarterback performance I've seen in a long time. Um, were the words of Dana Hogerson. But in terms of the defense performance, and again, that that that's an abysmal performance in terms of what what happened against SMU, but. Um, Hogerson's words, he said he saw his guys compete. The problem wasn't uh, for the lack of trying, the lack of effort. There was a lot of problems with busted coverages, uh, blocks that were being missed, tackles, missed tackles was another story. Um, and really, that's been a story for the entire season For the, when it comes to this yeah. Houston defense, even going back um, to early in the season, I mean, from game one against UTSA, if we're being honest. Uh, but th- that effort was never an issue is what Hogerson said, which, um, you know, it, it, Obviously, there's a lot of frustration for fans. This team heading into the season, there was a lot of expectations of, you know, at the very least, getting back to the American Athletic Conference, a championship game, and, and being able to compete with the top of the conference. Um, Cincinnati, not too lame, that has been sitting at the top of that conference uh, for the entire conference play since that started, which um, that's really the team that's kind of risen. But um, obviously, from this performance, there were no defensive players that were made available to, to media. This They usually do their weekly availability on Tuesday. Uh, no defensive player spoke, but Matthew Golden, um, the receiver Matthew Golden, who actually played his first game back in a, in a, in a while after being out a few weeks with a rib injury, um, he was asked, or I asked him about just, you know, what the message has been from the offense um, to that defense, because obviously, you know, it, it's been a season. Uh, it's been an up and down season. There's been times that stretches. Um, I mean, in particular, going back to, you know, Tulane jumps off the top of my head where the offense has struggled. I mean, even that Memphis game, the offense struggled um, during stretches. The defense was able to hold opposing defenses um, check. And then the Cougars have been able to rally or at least be in position to win the game late in overtime. So now the, the, the roles were completely reversed this past game against SMU. And, and what Matt Golden said, really, all 
and this is a direct quote, all we can do is learn from it and finish the season out strong, end quote. And he went on to, I'm paraphrasing now, but he went on to say, you know, it's football, there's going to be stretches. Uh, when the defense struggles, there's going to be stretches. When the offense struggles now, I think in particular, all eyeballs are going to be on how that defense responds. I'm curious, and I'm, I'm curious to see it too. Um, overall, when you have a performance as bad as that, just obviously you want to leave in the rearview mirror. You want to get that bad taste out of your mouth. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how one, how, how do they respond against Temple, a Temple team that, um, I mean, they just put up 54 points against South Florida, uh, this past week. So their offense is rolling. Yep. man. I think defense is going to come out and be aggressive. I think they're going to be aggressive to start the game. You're going against a freshman quarterback who has great, um, family lineage and lineage that I should yeah. say. Um, the son of Kurt Warner. So, you know, he's going to be smart with the football. You know, he's got not going to make many mistakes, but you want to force him into mistakes. But I think the recipe is to try to try to pressure him. I think the defensive line um, has to play better. I think they have to get more pressure to have to get to the quarterback. Can't have um, the the nickname Sack Av and not be living in the backfield. That should be your home. And we know that's what they try to do. So I'm not going to say they aren't trying, but you you have to be able to do so. And they have the talent to do it. And Temple, their D-line leads the conference in sacks. So protecting Clayton Tuna, which the offensive line has done a great job of doing that, they're going to have their work cut out for them. But they're going to have to protect him to see if he can continue playing well as he's been playing. And so the receivers have been doing a great job on all of them, uh, from Golden to Brown to Carter to, of course, Tank, um, everyone has played well offensively. And uh, so I think defensively, I think they're going to come out with a, with a point to prove. Um, I don't think they can hang their heads down if they give up a big play or if they score early. It's a four-quarter game. And like you said, there's been games where the offense didn't play well, defense kept them in it. So you just got to chalk the, the, the game last week up until we didn't play well. But this is a new game, new opportunity for us to come out and redeem ourselves. And I, I think they will do that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you brought up the point in particular when it comes to, to getting back to Warner and, and really causing a lot of pressure um, and really get, making them, forcing them into the mistakes. And like you mentioned, that's something that, that Coach Dana Alwerson himself said, you know, that's going to be one of uh, the keys to the game for Houston. They want to see success against Temple and it's being able to get into the backfield and cause um, really a lot of pressure, something that Tanner Mordecai didn't really get to see that often uh, this past Saturday. And it, it was a big factor when he was able to, to hit his receivers and, and uh, find find them in stride, particularly as the game progressed. He got much more comfortable. So, I mean, I agree. I think the defense is certainly going to be looking early to, to put that game in the rearview mirror. They're certainly going to be amped up and trying to make uh, bigger plays. Now, on the flip side of that, they also have to be uh, smart in regards to that and not, not uh, necessarily break alignments or make uh, silly mistakes like that, which could cost them. But I think it's going to be an interesting matchup in particular. You know, they're at this point in the season, which Halverson, again, himself said they're outside looking in when it comes to the American Athletic uh, Championship game. Really, the chances of being able to make that game are slim at, at this point. Um, and it's going to be curious to see the final year in the American, American Athletic Conference um, really in particular on the defense because there's a lot of guys that have to fill in shoes and, and step up in those roles yep, to see right. how they progress in the final three games. So it's going to be – that's that's kind of where the team is transitioning in a bit. What say you? Yeah, a lot of injuries and 
I think now it's kind of good for them because a lot of their young players are now going to get experience and they're going to have to play because of injuries that the defense sustained. And so I think it it can be good, especially going forward, moving into a a major conference. All of these next um, few games, it's just going to be good experience. So take it it a game at a time and and prepare. But like you said, not be overly aggressive and miss your assignment. I think that's the the main thing I want to see next week is no busted assignments. Just, Just play good sound um football and do your assignment you may give up explosive plays that's part of the game and so uh, i'm not i wouldn't be disappointed if they if they do that people have some good offense you just mentioned the numbers they put up last week against south florida and so just play just do your assignment run to the football and tackle because over the, their win streak that's what they did really well was tackle well and so you can't have missed tackles you can't have missed assignments which lead to wide open explosive plays if they're going to have an explosive play make them earn it make it be a great play and so i think the defense um i love um Doug Belk and what he stands for, his leadership, his accountability. And so I think they're going to come out and, and put a better film on. I mean, it can't get much worse than last week. So let's, <laughs> yeah, that's let's true. It can't get much worse. So you give up 20, 30, whatever, anything like that, as long as you get the win, and uh, it'd be good. That's the good thing about hitting rock bottom. There's not much more farther you can go. But yep. I agree that's going to be the thing key to watch and see how they respond. But that's going to do it uh, for this segment. Coming right up on Pot Slime Jamma, like I mentioned at the top of the show, our second of four segments spotlighting H-O-U-N-I-L. This week's episode will be focusing on what it's like to be working with athletes. A uh, friend of the show, Ryan of GoCooks.com, he talked about how really there's a cool different take on name image and likeness at the university of houston where the athletes the the athletes themselves are getting a chance to be able to own the content they create and really provide a window to fans um and media like that don't get it that often being able to 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 get a story through the eyes of the athletes in particular obviously the one that comes to my mind is jamal shade and what he talked about it's like uh to play point guard for kelvin sampson which that if you haven't checked that out i highly recommend it it was a really really interesting read it was a two-part um, essay. I think that's the way they're, they're phrasing it. But um, it was a good insight on, you know, what, what goes through Jamal uh, Shedd's uh, mind when it came. In particular, he he shouted out that, um, I believe it was a Wisconsin game, where they rallied back all the way down after they were down 20 in the first half. They had an opportunity to tie, and, and Shedd allowed the, the clock uh, to run out. And he talked about how that stuck with him throughout the season. And whenever they were in a similar position, um, things were not the same. But on that note, I will take this tr- uh, time to transition. And before we play that clip, remind you guys that if you are watching, if you are new to the show, uh, whether you're watching us live or you're checking us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may be listening to the audio only versions, be sure to go to the YouTube channel at P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A. That's Pod Slam and Jam on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. It's the easiest way to support us. Uh, why does it matter, you may ask? Why do we also always have to be annoying about it? But the reason for that is because once we hit that 1,000 subscriber goal, we're going to be able to monetize off the channel, which allows us to continue 
to provide in-depth coverage and really a lot of UH content that you're not going to find anywhere else. And on that note, I'll toss it over to myself a week ago when my voice wasn't as hoarse um, and talking with Ryan of GoCougs.com with H-O-U-N-I-M, what it's like to work with the athlete. And what about the 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 sponsorship portion of it? You mentioned it, um, being able to get companies and, and just sponsors in general to buy into what you're doing uh, to support the University of Houston Athletics and also the athletes. Yeah, so our sponsors are sponsoring our content and athletes only. If they sponsor something U of H focused, they would do that through the school. Mm -hmm. Our focus is only the athletes and helping them in their name, image, and likeness. Um, Excuse me. So we have had sponsors of our website in the past, gokooks.com. This is completely separate. We, we've built a wall between Gokooks and the NIL component. Um, and, and that's just dealing with athletes. You deal with them one way on Gokooks, which is a, this is media. We have to follow the rules. Everybody else has to follow. But then this other component where I'm spending time with these guys, helping them create content and generating ideas and doing things, that part is way different. And it's fun. Um, But stepping back, the sponsors that we have for the NIL component are really kind of off the wall. They're companies I would have never thought about. Um, We have a company called Sparkle Glass Cleaner who is starting to do some things with us. They're going to be a big premium primary sponsor for us this year. Uh, We're finalizing contracts with a couple of other major sponsors. We have some smaller sponsors and I can't wait to get their stuff out there. Um, A sprinkle company like for the cupcake, but not the actual cupcake, just the sprinkles. Um, I just went nuts and bought a whole bunch of sprinkles (laughs) because why not? And uh, me and my niece had a blast sprinkling cupcakes. So I, who knew that that was a company, but it is, and they are doing a great job. Um, but yeah, the sponsorship component, again, was one of those things that I just, I never contemplated. I never thought that that was going to be something we did. I thought mm-hmm. this was just going to be subscribers. And as people have brought ideas or we've kind of just brainstormed, we realized there's, there's a huge market out there that none of us, from Mike Pittman and the hoops and holler to Landon and Austin Elrod with Lincoln Coops to us, to whoever else is out there. We're not tapping into all that's there. We Mm -hmm. want to tap into more subscribers, more fans, more everyday people who can just afford a little bit to go towards athletes. Um, Our strategy is not to focus on sponsors, but we are open to it and we're going to find fun ways to match content, cougar athlete and sponsors. Yeah. And that, that's a perfect thing that, that I'm going to circle back to in, in regards to how all the different Houston NIL, when it comes to Houston Cougars, you guys all kind of have your own little segments or and maybe not segment, but the own different ways, how you guys are approaching mm-hmm. um, name, image, and likeness, which is pretty cool. And I'll, I'll circle back, um, but I want to transition over to the actual idea behind HOU NIL specifically. So like you mentioned, it's different with you guys because you guys are working directly with the athletes to help produce, like you said, content. 
um, that is different from you might find from the traditional media perspective. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the examples with, with the Chronicle and even what we do, like we're covering much more of the game to game, week to week, and kind of the the in season stories as the mm-hmm. as the in-game season goes on but the, the one that really stood out to me is the one you guys had an article and this was the one you guys kind of did like your sample the free version of D'Anthony Jones and I believe it was after the Kansas game yeah you can correct me if I'm wrong where he had kind of his perspective of what you know what had been going on because they had just suffered um that Kansas game was a tough loss but they were coming off the heels of the tough overtime loss to Texas Tech um and and it was pretty it was unique because you had never you never get to see that from the players perspective what they were feeling uh what they struggled with on the field and and that's something that you're not going to find anywhere else especially not from a player's perspective yeah we got super lucky with the anthony jones he and i had been messaging for over a year um just through twitter just talking about certain things just so i could understand and he's just forthright he's open he's honest And when we met together to kind of come up with his content, our goal was not to do the story that we did. It was a whole different story, which will be coming. Um, But we met right after the Kansas game. And he was like, I want to write about that. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And it turned out fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the perfect way for us to introduce ourselves. Uh, D'Anthony has another story essay that's coming out soon. Um, if he goes and has four sacks in this weekend's game, guess what? It'll be out Sunday. But uh, Jamal Shedd has written a, an essay, and I just read it for the first time yesterday, and it blew me away, of how to play point guard for Kevin or Kelvin Sampson. Mm-hmm. Edit that out. Jamal Shedd wrote an essay for us about how to play point guard for Kelvin Sampson and it's fantastic and just you learn so many things that that goes on with the point guard and the head coach there are funny stories that I hope can get in there maybe they won't Uh, some of them may be a little a little too dear but um You know, we've just had great luck with great guys, great women that have helped us out. And their stories are great. And they're just good people. And Jamal and Jawan Roberts and Emmanuel Sharp, uh, Reggie Chaney's coming up, uh, DeAnthony. We're working with several other football players, women's basketball, women's golf. We've got a lot of irons in the fire. And I can't wait to be able to tell those stories. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about the process. You mentioned the the essays. So do when it comes to the athletes, do they just come to you and whoever might be overseeing um, with their ideas? Do you guys work together on different content? Is it a case by case basis? How how does that content idea come about with the athletes and you guys? We're still pretty new into the process. One hundred percent want athletes to come to us. Hundred percent want that. Love when people come to us with an idea of, Hey, let's explore this. And then we brainstorm it together. We do video, we write it, we do our goofy 32nd timeout so that we can pay them for each of those pieces of content. Um, The best part of this for me is that we get to work with these people 
men and women for a while. It's not just like a 15 minute, 30 minute thing. So mm -hmm. it's an ongoing process. And for each piece of content, we get to pay them. And thankfully we have the subscribers and the sponsors that allow us to do that. Um, but I will go to athletes um, through Twitter, through Instagram, through the ones that I have other contact methods for. Uh, <laughs> and then some will come to me and then guys are starting to tell others about how fun it was, how interesting the, the situation was and that you get paid for it. And we have had just, blessed luck to have Galen Robinson working with us um, so far. We're about to lose him to basketball season. Um, he's playing overseas, but he's going to find a way to keep helping us and keep working with us, even though he's going to be seven times on the way. So once again, that was Ryan um, Monceau from gokooks.com. Um, talking about what it's like to be able to come work with student athletes and be able to come up uh, with the content that, like you said, that's what makes them unique. You're getting to hear from the athlete's perspective and getting to work on a whole bunch of different stuff. And I think the other cool thing about HRUNIO is that there's a lot of different companies kind of rallying around uh, supporting the athletes and being able to get them, uh, get them a paycheck too for being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So again, that was episode or segment two or four. Next week will be the third segment that we'll be focusing on. It was a kind of a perfect segue because you heard Ryan talk about Galen Robinson there is something another thing that makes HOU and IO unique is that advisory board uh, that they have so we'll be focusing specifically on what that process is like how the advisory board for HOU and IO which Galen Robinson is one of uh, three others at this point that is a part of that advisory board and helps them with being able to connect with the athletes and give them those cool opportunities um, that segment will air next week here on Pod Simon Channel. But on that note, transition uh, one more time for those of you guys that weren't able to be a part of Let's Rage Cougs last night, the first uh, Let's Rage Cougs of the men's basketball season. We talked all things but specifics about Houston, Northern Colorado, as the Cougars. I mean, they did what they were expected. They went out there and they, uh, I think in particular, which we're, we're about to get into, they really suffocated uh, the Bears on defense, holding them to just 36 points, 10 made field goals over the course of that game. That was an impressive performance. But if you want to get more in-depth, uh, more post-game coverage in regards to clips from Calvin Sampson, Marcus Sasser, be sure to check that out. That's over at the Houston Raw Ball Review YouTube channel for instant reaction to that game. And on the note, be sure, once again, to subscribe to the channel if you're just new to um, the show, to the channel for your uh, one-stop shop for all things Houston Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. And on that note, we'll transition. We talked a lot about the men's basketball team last night. Uh, we didn't get to talk too much about the women's. It's going to be the first time that we do. Um, and it was a, a pretty rough start to the season for the Houston Cougars in particular uh, on the offensive side of things, especially for Layla Blair and Brittany Anyaje. Those are two of the players that Really, they're, they're anchors for what the Cougars uh, want to do, really, especially on offense, but just in general. Um, and they combined to, to go just two for 24 from the field. They really struggled uh, being able to put points, put the basket or put the, the ball through the basket. I think that's one of the things that Kelvin Sampson says in the past. Um, but, Dayon, just your overall takeaways as Houston fell to Louisiana 55 to 48 in their season opener um, at Louisiana in the Cajun Dome just this past Monday night. 
Easily. The slow start. Um, I, that's really what plagued them was their slow start to that game. They really struggled in their first the first half, and, yeah. and they played really well in the second half. And that's the first game. I mean, I don't want to say jitters, but first game of the season. And um, although they have a lot of players returning, they have a, a lot of new players that they're integrating into their system. And so that was my main takeaway was they they didn't play an exhibition game. They did play a couple of scrimmages as well, but. You, you can just tell early on that that um they were still trying to find that chemistry and shots weren't falling. But then mm-hmm. that second half, defense picked up and they started to dominate on, on the on the rebounds. But turnovers really, really, really plagued them. That's the, the, the main thing they had. They had 22 turnovers, and it, it's hard to win when you when you turn the ball over like that. And so um I, I feel like this team a lot. Um, Tiara Young came off the bench, and she was their best player. Last night, along with Bria Patterson, I watched the entire game. Bria Patterson had a couple costly turnovers. She had five turnovers, but she still played um, stellar basketball most of that game, probably 95 97% of that game, 13 points, 10 rebounds. And Tierra came off the bench, which, in my opinion, she has to be in the star lineup. She's arguably the best player on the team, in my opinion. And so um, she was the difference maker. I'm not sure the plus minus, but it was what the eye test tells me when she was on the floor, they were a better team. And so uh, I, I don't know. I know she was battling injuries throughout the offseason, and, and I'm sure that's what kept her out of the store lineup because she hasn't been able to practice. But when it's where the game transpired, you got to get your best players on the floor. Coach Huey did that, and they were able to fight back. So I love everything that they showed in that second half, third and fourth quarter, and those are building blocks going forward. And I still think they'll, they'll have a really, really good season. Just first half, hard to over, overcome that slow start that they had in um, Louisiana. I got to give them credit. They they played good enough um, to win the game, but um, no panic on, on my end, um, even though they dropped, lost the first one. Yeah, in particular, <clears throat> you mentioned uh, their rally. They were down 19 points uh, in that first half. They cut it to a stretch. I think it was midway through the fourth quarter. They had cut it down to eight, and they really were able to extend the game. I think it's an interesting point you bring up about Tierra Young. Um, in particular, it seemed like she was much more comfortable bringing the ball up the court and being able to facilitate and make stuff easier for for Layla Blair and Brittany Anyajay, who obviously they struggled from the field shooting the ball. But, uh, you know, the old saying when it comes to basketball, it's a make-or-miss game. Houston yeah. didn't make them, and that was the, ultimately the difference. But uh, what, what do you see in particular focusing in on, on – Young, in particular, as that you know type of point guard uh, role, or what, what do you see from her in that aspect? Um, she she did. You have a good point. She does bring the ball up for some and take the role, uh, take the ball out of Layla's hands. But I think what she gives them, she gives them a player that you, in the half court that you can give the ball and I saw. I need a bucket, and she can do mm-hmm. that. Whether it's in the mid range, pulling up her mid range, or getting all the way inside, she shoots the free throw as well. And so that's what I like from her because. Layla, she struggled shooting the ball. Her and Brittany, they both struggled shooting the ball mightily last night. But another player who came off the bench and had a really good game that helped them get back in the game, and that was the transfer, Demila Brown. Mm-hmm. She, she played really well. That's why I think we'll have to shoulder a lot of those point guard minutes. Taylor Purvis started. She didn't play as well Um that I'm sure that she would like to play or the coaching staff would like to see her play. But Demila Brown, she 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 played really well. Um the stats she doesn't really reflect 
the, the impact that she had on the game. She made some clutch shots. She slowed the, the tempo down, got them into their sets and their half-court set. And it's her first game with the program. So it's, as she's continued to learn the system, develop. And um, I also got to give Coach Huey his flowers on his adjustment. He made a really, really big adjustment going into zone. That's what helped him get back in the game. And so um, no panic for me, but Sierra – She's arguably, in my opinion, the best player on the floor because she knows who she is and she's an efficient scorer. Like, she's hard to stop. She can get her own shot at any time, whether it be her mid-range, getting inside, creating contact. She's strong. She's really a well-rounded basketball player, and I just love her game. And so I think, as I'm sure she might be, should be, probably will be, back inserted into the store lineup, and she's continued to work her way, find her rhythm because she missed most of the offseason with, with – um, dealing with a knee injury. And so I still like this team. Ton of talent, ton of talent. Uh, Tatiana Hill played well later on in the game. She fouled out and that played Houston. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that I noticed from the last couple of years was Tatiana Hill is almost their only, um, well, in that starting lineup, she's pretty much their only person that they can go to on the block. They tried to post mm -hmm. later up one time and they bought um, – Logan McNeil off the bench and they went to her a couple of times on the block as well. And so I think they just got to develop that second unit and it's the first, it's the first game of the year. So I, I'm really not surprised. I'm not down on this team. Although they lost the first game. And I think as they continue to build on that second half and what they did, they can get, they can reach their goal for sure. For sure. One of the other things, um, like you mentioned, going back to it is the first game of the season. Uh, there was 11 different players that played for Houston, nine of which played uh, more than five minutes. So I think that adds on to your point just in terms of being able to really Ron Huey's having to. I know they have a lot of returning players, but being able to find them in that right role. And like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of tweaking, moving uh, different players, um, not only from starting lineups to different positions and being able to get a true field uh, for the team now. Um, their next game is going to be on Saturday. They, they had a bit of a tough schedule. They started both um, games. The first two games uh, for the women's basketball team were away from Fertitta Center. Uh, their next game is this upcoming Saturday, November 12th. They're going to be at New Mexico. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Houston bounces back from uh, the season opening loss. Their home opener won't be until this upcoming Tuesday, next Tuesday, a week from today, November 15th against Texas A&M Commerce. So uh, like you said, I think there's still a lot of opportunities for this team to obviously it's early. They're still trying to find uh, figure out how to play with each other first and foremost, but then also being a, able to figure out um, who strengths and what, which player has the best strengths at different uh, positions. I think you make an excellent point when it comes to Tatiana Hill. It seems like at times she's kind of like the only real threat when it comes to being able to score in the paint when it's not uh, a player creating on the drive, which uh, I agree with you on that point. Um, is there any other points you'd like to make before we transition over? Yeah, I don't think Layla is going to go one for 10 again. Um, but basketball, it, it's like that. She still had an impact on the game, but I still think it's another levels of her to reach when her shot isn't falling. She didn't really settle for any jump shots, but I think she can do a better job of getting herself to the free throw line. She went five or six from the free throw line, but in times I think she can do a better job of driving, creating more contact to get herself through the free throw line when her jump shot isn't falling. I think she can shoot maybe eight or nine, ten more free throws just using her threat to shoot the ball, to get inside. And especially she got the handle. She got all the tools that she needs to 
to affect the game offensively, even when her shot isn't falling. That's why I like Tierra so much because she doesn't rely on her jump shot. And as far as from the three, her mid-range is pretty much automatic, but she's so strong and has such a good handle. She can drive and create contact and get herself to the free throw line, and that slows the game down. I didn't really see much of Layla in ISO situations Um uh, making a play. But uh, another thing I would like to see as well is her, is Coach Huey and the coaching staff finding ways to get her um, the ball in areas in which she can um, succeed, whether it's pick and roll or just a simple ISO or just different areas where she likes the ball to where she doesn't have to go. I don't want to say one on five because they did a good job of getting into the offense. She made, she got some good shots. They just didn't fall. I just think maybe she could do a little more to make the game easier and drive more and get to the free throw line. But overall, I still like the talent, what I see, and they just got to define their roles and come together with this, this year's team. Overall, as a team, what, uh, did, in terms of shot selection, did you uh, was it just shots being missed, or, or was it some – some? what did you think overall the the type of shots that were taken? Yeah, just shots being missed. Brittany Onyajay got a lot of good looks coming off pin down scoring. Some of her shots, I feel like she's rushed. I think when she go back to watch the film and she realized how much time she had, if she takes her time, set her feet, if she can make those shots. But um, I didn't really – the shot selection was good. I, I don't think no one really took any bad shots that I can remember, but turnovers, just costly turnovers. Um, that's that's really what it was. It, they, they pressured Houston a lot, and they were just throwing the ball right into the other team's hands. And so mm-hmm. you got to get those turnovers down. If you want to beat better teams and better competition, you can't turn the ball over 20-plus times. You you have to take care of the orange. You got to take care of the peel. For sure. And on that note, we will transition over to the men's basketball side now. Uh, quick side note, I do like to plug in the Instagram and TikTok. Let's reach Googs. We're on all types of social media platform platforms. It is, as you see on the ticker below, it is all lowercase, no spaces, just Let's Rage Cooks on TikTok and Instagram for, you know, different types of content. We have video of the Houston Cougars men's basketball team warming up last um, yesterday, last night on November 7th, before they took on Northern Colorado. You'll have some clips and bits of Calvin Sampson and players, uh, Dana Horwitz and the football staff and the women's basketball team as well throughout the course of the entire season. So be sure to follow us on social media and also uh, Pod Stamma Jamma on uh, Twitter and as we transition over to the men's basketball team uh, they were triumphant like you said at the top of the show in their season opener um, and something you said last night the thing that really stuck out to you uh, was their defense which um, it's not surprising when it comes to Kelvin Sampson team that their strengths at the you know, first game one it was uh, their defense but I think one of the things you know Obviously, if we would have picked something before the game, I think uh, defense would have been high on the list. But just how dominant they looked, um, really being able to suffocate uh, that Northern Colorado team. I mean, it started from the very first possession that the Bears had. It was a steal by Jawan Roberts that led to a fast break, and it was a dunk. Um, and really, we just talked about uh, the women's basketball team. They had 22 turnovers. Northern Colorado had 23, and kind of just – I'm sorry, what was that? So then Houston only had eight. 
Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing to add on to that, I mean, going to the last possession of the game, Houston drew a charge, so they forced another turnover. Even when the game was out of reach, they were up 83-36. Um, and that goes to show one of the things that Calvin Sampson talked in his postgame, it's, it's kind of become um, the standard for Houston, but you know, everything that, that Houston starts, uh, they always have a game plan defensively, is what Samson said post-game. Uh, they hang their hat on the defense. That's one of the three things that they always emphasize year in and year out. They defend, they rebound, and they take care of the ball. So like you mentioned, Dayon, only eight turnovers. Um, and I think, shout out to Jamal Shedd. We didn't necessarily talk about him in depth uh, last night, but he had nine assists, only one turnover. That's a ratio that you'll take seven times out of seven. Yep, and he was a, a maestro right there. Chris Paul, like, he dominated, controlled the entire game, got players involved, um, got players in their spots to where they want the ball. Man, he, he really just dominated the game. On the defensive end, he's that first line of defense pressure in the basketball, in which I love the way – so when they come up court, he's on them. And that what that does is – it doesn't give them a lot of time to really just to get into their offense. But offensively, man, I, I love everything that I've seen from Jamal. And I, I think that when it's all said and done, he's going to be the assist leader um, at Houston. And he'd probably be one of the best point guards to come through Houston in, the, in recent years. I'm not going to go overall. I'm just going to say in recent years. Of course, I didn't see everyone, so don't, don't at me on that. <laughs> but I'm just going to say in recent years. And – He's only going to get better. And one thing I love, he doesn't force anything. He, he yeah. And he doesn't, although he can score, but he's such a facilitator and he has the impulse on his, with us, on his team and his, his teammates. I think he knows when they need a shot. Like Terrence, for example, he airballed a shot. And then I think he knew in his mind, I, I need to get him another look. And he created a look for him and Terrence made that three. And so, well, I just love everything about the Jamal. He's going to be um, the, the straw that steers to drink for this team, and I, th I think they're going to go far for sure. Absolutely, and like you mentioned, one of the things, um, it always seems like he's playing at his own pace, being able to control, like you mentioned, uh, the flow of the game and be able to set up you know, what exactly, um, who needs a shot, like you mentioned with Terrence Arsenal. I think one of the other things uh, that stood out, and I mean, they might be certainly early on in the season, might be an underrated part of this game, was he showed off his floater a little bit um, last night against Northern Colorado. Now, they were playing in zone, so... Uh, but that that's something that, that could be viable, especially like we mentioned throughout. You know, all eyeballs are going to be on Marcus Sasser for the most part um, when it comes to opposing defenses and being able to, to try to stop Houston offensively. I think that's something of an extra layer that, that um, I mean, it could be uh, prove pivotal for Houston um, as the season progresses. 100%. You're right on it. And he showed that last year, but he really put it on display last night. And I think that's why they played zone because they knew that they weren't going to be able to keep Houston guards in front of them. And so I think other teams will try to play zone just to keep him out of the paint because he he's such a good – he can go either way, use both hands, and often they're going to be hesitant to come off of anyone, especially those bigs, because they know he's a willing passer. So when he gets in the paint – and you can't leave Marcus, Trey Munt, Tremont, when he knocked down those two threes, they're hesitant mm -hmm. to leave him. And so it's often he's going to get inside and be able to use his floater. And then another thing that was – he was 100% from the free throw line. Didn't miss a free throw. He was three for yeah. three from the line. And so he's a, he's a complete point guard. And um, I just can't wait to continue to see him play this year and develop. And, and Jarrett Walker, you see the stat line, he went three for 14. But 
I think that's just first game jitters. He got a lot of good looks. He really, really came on towards the second half. And I think we got a glimpse of how they're going to use him in the half court and pretty much allow him to get busy when they isolate him in that mid post area. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, that Kelvin Sampson said, I don't know, he went, you mentioned a three or 14 from the field. Um, but Kelvin couldn't care. You know, he, the phrase he said is he couldn't care uh, less about him going three or 14, especially because he found so many different ways to be able to impact uh, that game last night against the Bears in particular. I mean, the first, well, first of all, the first play of the game, the Houston came out with, it was a set play that, that ended up, uh, it was a lob for Jarvis Walker. They didn't connect on it. Uh, but had they connected on that, that that would have blown the roof off of Fertitta Center right off the bat. Um, but even then, just a few minutes later, um, one of the one of the Northern Colorado players went up for layup and Jarvis Walker completely erased it and he sent it into the hands of, you know, people sitting in the front. And then I think the big story for Houston, something what Kelvin Sampson pointed out uh, post-game, 12 rebounds, six of which were offensive rebounds. Um, that's the key for Houston. Obviously, we know when it comes to um, what Kelvin Sampson demands, going back to what I said, they demand defense, rebounding, and taking care of the ball. And Jarvis Walker um, did that in particular when it comes to the rebound, being able to get six you know, second-chance opportunities, by six different second-chance opportunities for Houston. That's really what you want to see uh, from Walker. And they're, you know, when it comes to an offensive game, they don't, they don't they're not going to rely on him to have to be a consistent you know threat when it comes to uh, whether it be a, a three-point score or anything like that certainly early on so he can progress when it comes to his offensive skill set yep yeah I agree I, I think they're going to be dependent on him to score though um, a lot throughout this season not huge points but I think they're going to be looking forward to him just to be um to be consistent, um, I, I think he'll average anywhere from 12 to maybe 10 to 12 points a game. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some 20-point uh, games because of – he's just a, a supreme athletic. You can tell yeah. supreme athleticism, how, how physically gifted he is. And, and I didn't realize how tall he was. I mentioned this last night after the game. And so um, definitely not worried – J1, he looked really well in his role. He got the first points of the game, came off a steal um, in a wide-open dunking. So one thing about this team, everyone knows their roles. And that's yeah. something, comparing to the women, they're still having to find their roles in which this team, they already know their roles. And so um, I love what I've seen. I can't wait to continue to see some of the young players develop, especially when they get in tougher situation when they have to produce because there are going to be times where one of the three starting guards get in foul trouble and you're going to need um, a Ramon to come in and give you some good positive minutes and, and give you some scoring, some defense and everything that he can provide. You're going to need Terrence to come in and do some of those same some same things. And one thing Terrence showed me last night that he's a guard that he already is integrated in the culture as well as far as rebounding. He was yeah. a glass he has good length I, I think him and um, Ramon are going to have big years and then we saw just a glimpse of what Emmanuel Sharp can do and I, I love that comparison to Rob Gray because that's exactly who he um, looked like last night and just his ability to score the basketball effortlessly yeah one uh, quick thing to, to backtrack a little bit 
uh, in regards to Jarrett Walker. There was a lot of fans were pointing out um, it looked like he had to come out of the game due to something that was bothering him. Um, yeah. Some fans started speculating in regards to injury, and Calvin Sampson was asked about it after the game. It doesn't look like that's going to be any concern. He called it just a uh, cramp. Here, here's what Calvin Sampson had to say uh, about that Jarrett Walker um, update and also uh, regarding much more about the program as a whole. Um, first of all, it's a lot of wins. You know, it's just an awesome moment that we got to be a part of for him. He's been doing this a long time, and, you know, we're just next up and able to be here with him now. So it's just it's just an awesome moment. Yeah, I'd just say um, it's just a blessing, really, you know, to be a part of it. You know, that's something a lot of us won't never we'll always remember that, you know, um, being a part of his 700 wins. So i just say it's a blessing, really. ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェルスティックショットとブリッジ。ジェル
of calling tournaments with a bunch of five-star, three-star, two-star, and all different star players. And I have saw players that were two-star, and I got insight talking to people who are scouts and does so many rankings. And a lot of that is just politics. A lot of that is just popularity because some of these people who are doing these rankings haven't even seen all of these players across the country play. And so mm -hmm. I love that clip with Coach Sampson does because they five-star, in my opinion, doesn't really mean anything, in my opinion, personally. And so when you get to Houston, Coach Sampson throws that out the window and is like, how can you impact winning on this team? And not only that, we're going to help you develop into a five-star pro because that's the ultimate goal. And that's yeah. what he's been able to do no matter where you come from. You look at Marcus, for example, he wasn't a, a four-star, five-star, but you see – who he is on the basketball court, and he looks like a five-star college basketball player, not high school, a five-star college basketball player. And so that was what I took away from that. And I just love his, his humor, his, his ability. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. And that's the side I, I want to hear players talk about because we, we always hear him talk about how tough Coach Simpson is, but I want to get more of an insight on some of those moments or what he's like, whether he's being funny or he's joking or, or things like that. So uh, I, I just love Coach Simpson. I mean, you know, I call him the GOAT, best in the, in the nation, and, and that's why. Yeah, and uh, to kind of to, to add on to, to the point you made, that victory last night over Northern Colorado was win number 700 for Kelvin Sampson. And after the game, they played this really cool video on the Jumbotron at Fertitta Center with a whole bunch of different uh, former players, former coaches um, that have all been under Kelvin Sampson. And they were just, I mean, congratulating him. Uh, 700 wins over the course of going back to 1981. That's when his uh, official collegiate career at Division One level as a head coach uh, began and to be able to accumulate 700 wins first of all being able to coach for that long that's incredible but then obviously um like you heard that clip right there being able to to build those relationships with all the different players i think that's one of the most important things um that gets lost sight especially when it when it comes from uh, a broader you know perspective you don't necessarily think about that that human aspect those relationships because you see a lot of these ex-players what's the sign of a good program is that the ex-players want to stick around uh and be around the program and just last night dejan Giroux. He was at the game, obviously. Galen Robinson's always involved with the program every time. I mean, even Quentin Grimes a season ago, whenever uh, he was in town with the Knicks, you know, he was at games. Um, that's that's a sign of a good program when a lot of the ex-players want to be around it. That goes into that family atmosphere. I don't care if you played for me five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago. You're part of the family, and you're always welcome back and inside the house, inside the home. And that's why players, I think, in my opinion, come back because – like you just said, the human aspect of it. They talk about not only caring about them as um, athletes, but preparing them as men. And like Coach Sanford just said in their clip, they're going to be good husbands, good fathers, and, and things like that. And so when you, you have someone to set the good example and, and welcome you as family, you're going to always be willing to come back home and visit the family. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. For this episode of Pod Pajama, I'm not gonna. Um, hopefully, I don't jinx it, but it looks like my voice lasted through the entire show without uh, spazzing out. Just a reminder, real quickly, once again, if you are new to the show, to the channel, be sure to hit subscribe. Uh, it's the easiest way to support us. If you look, I mean, you can go ahead and, and, and scan through our channel. It's going to be nonstop UH content, particularly on football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. Your one-stop shop for those uh, three programs. So. Hit the subscribe and help us out. Follow us on social media as well. Dayon, as always, you get the final word. So cool. 
That's it, baby. Go cool. <clears throat>